I helped build. I'm sorry, but it's a fact that there is such a thing as manners. A way of treating people. These fish have manners. These fish have manners. In fact, they're coming with me. I'm starting a new company, and the fish will come with me. You can call me sentimental. The fish, they're coming with me. Okay. If anybody else wants to come with me, this moment will be the moment of something real and fun and inspiring in this God-forsaken business, and we will do it together. Who's coming with me? Who's coming with me? Who's coming with me? Who's coming with me besides Flipper here? This is embarrassing. All right. Wendy, shall we? Oh, Jer, I'm, no, I'm three months away from the pay increase. I... Okay. Okay. I will go with you. Dorothy Boyd, thank you. We'll see you all again. Sleep tight. heard it the last thing he says is let's see how they do without us and then you see right at the end how they did without them it was it was as if they were never there the great jerry Maguire wrote a mission statement called the things we think but do not say and he dared to uh, question the status quo and it ended up getting him fired he talked about personal service he talked about ethics. He said that money should be less important than relationships, one-on-one relationships. And in this dog-eat-dog uh, -dog world of professional sports agents, it got him fired. Well, 10 years ago, we started a church kind of in the same way. Um, we decided that we were going to do church a little bit differently. We didn't think that we were any better than any other church. We just felt like if we kept going the same direction we had been going, that our faith would shrivel up and die, and so would our churches. 
And so we just decided to do church a little bit differently. I grew up in traditional churches. My whole life, I was in a traditional church. And my churches, no matter where I've been, have always been known for a few things. We were known for our big, nice buildings. We were known for the types of clothes that we wore. And you didn't come if you didn't have those types of clothes on. Every church I've been in was known for some deacons who were, not not all, some, some deacons who were not nice people. I mean, people that you would look at and you go, that guy is in a leadership role in the church? This shouldn't be. And they were also known. We were known everywhere in the community that certain people were not welcome in our church. And over a course of 19 years, I was in all these different churches around Texas. Not that This was as a minister. I'd grown up in church, and I began to study the life of Jesus. And I, and I found out that not only did Jesus despise the attitude that, that me and my churches that I was in was projecting, but Jesus intentionally went outside the walls and tried to reach those people, those people that we were rejecting. And, and I got to thinking about Jesus and his life story and, and all the studying that we did. And, and there's a verse. It's not even on your listening guide. By the way, um, version. it's on version. if you want to go there. If you don't know what that is, we'll get you hooked up next time. Um, there's a verse in, chapter, in John chapter 5, verse 19, uh, where Jesus says, My father is always at work, and I too am working. And then he goes on to say that I can't do anything except what I see my father doing. And so one day, Jesus is walking through a town, and it's, it's Jericho. And, and I got to thinking, how did he know? I mean, first of all, he prayed like crazy. He was always in tune with his father, but he's walking down this path. And, and how did he know that Jesus was working, I mean, that God was working in Zacchaeus? And so you have this verse, and I brought this on my U version so I can read it, just in case I couldn't read Go ahead and put it up there, Mike. Jesus entered Jericho and made his way through town. There was a man there named Zacchaeus. He was the chief tax collector in the region, and he had become very rich. Now, there's a couple of things you need to realize here. Jesus intentionally walked towards this guy who was rich, and he was an outcast because he made his his money from ripping off. Did I scare you? Scared Timmy. Snuck up on her. I just thought I'd do something different today. Celebrating the birthday. So he intentionally ripped off the Jewish people and the Jewish people hated him because he worked for the Romans, took their money, got rich off of the Jewish people. They hated him. Jesus said, there's a guy I'm going to go after. Now, here's how I think that Jesus knew. Besides the fact that he prayed and he talked to God all the time, Jesus was watching as he's walking down the the pathway in Jericho. He's watching to see where God's at work. He said, my father's always at work. I can only do what my father does. He's walking along and he sees something that you would never see in Jewish society. First thing you'd never see a Jewish man do is you would never see him run. See, Zacchaeus was short, the Bible tells us, and he wanted to see Jesus because everybody in town wanted to see Jesus. He couldn't see Jesus because he's short, so he runs on ahead and gets to a tree. Second thing a Jewish man would never do is he would never climb a tree in public. So as Jesus is walking along, he sees a Jewish man running in public. And then he sees this short little Jewish man climbing a tree in public. What do you think Jesus is thinking? Maybe my father's at work in that man's life. Because if he's that desperate to see me, then I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to do everything I can to see him. So Jesus walks up to me and goes, hey, Zacchaeus, come on down. I'm going to your house today. Now, because Jesus went after those people, look what they said to him. But the people, and he's talking about religious people here. This is verse uh, 7. But the people were displeased. 
He has gone to be the guest of a what? Notorious sinner. Excuse me, bud. I got news for you today. Everybody in here is a notorious sinner. That's who we are. And there was a time, if you're a Christ follower, that Jesus came after you. And we are a room filled with notorious sinners. And I want you to see, in case you wonder what Jesus thinks of notorious sinners, look what he says in verse 10. For the Son of Man came to seek and to save that which was lost. If the one that I asked to be the forgiver of my sins and the leader of my life pursues notorious sinners, how dare I claim to follow him if I'm not going to do the same? And so we decided we were going to, we were going to make this church a place where we reached out to notorious sinners. In case you wonder what they look like, look around. Just look at your neighbor. They're notorious. Jesus said, I came for you. So we said, we're going to build a church that looks like that. And if we're going to build a church that looks like that, here's the first thing you got to know about new life. And this is on your listening guide. New life must be a place where the lost get found. It only makes sense that if we're going to reach out to lost people, that we better build a place where they can come on a Sunday morning so that they can hear about the message of Jesus Christ. Got a little bit of ring going on there, Jeff. And so <laughs> our whole strategy has been to make this a time where anybody with any type of church background or no type of church background can come and they can hear the message of Jesus in language that they can understand so that they can then apply it to their lives. But you see, your, our strategy has this, this downfall to it. Let me tell you what it is. Lost people are messy. Lost people have problems. Lost people have lots of questions. And every church I had ever been in was filled with people who never had problems and questions weren't allowed. Either you need to have more faith or you need to study more, but don't bring me your questions. And so we said, we're just going to be a place where, where we're open and honest about everything. And so we decided that, that we would, we would coordinate our worship services with lost people, with guests in mind. And so whenever I prepare a message every week, I think about these types of people. I think about, I think about people whose lives are falling apart. I think about the couple who's on their last thread that their marriage is just about to end. I think about the single adult who has no direction in life, who's dealing with a great deal of loneliness. I think about the students who might be considering ending their lives because they don't think that their lives have any meaning. We think about those people, and really, we think of our church as a table. And here's why we think of our church as a table. John 6.35, Jesus says this. He replied, I am the bread of life. Whoever comes to me will never be hungry again. Whoever believes in me will never be thirsty. Jesus said, I am what you need. I'm everything you need to satisfy your soul in this life and in the next life. And so we said the second thing about new life, if we're, if we're going to be like this Jesus type deal, new life must be the place, must be the table where the hungry get fed. 
And so I want you to think about this. If we're, if, if new life is the table, we believe that the table must be made up of, of at least three chairs. Let me explain these real quick. This first chair over here. This is the FFG person, far from God. Our mission statement says that we exist to reach people who are far from God, help them connect with God and with other people. These are the notorious sinners that we want to reach for God. We believe that if we are faithful to what God has called us to, and we reach people who are far from God, and we get them to come over and over and they hear the message of God, then they're going to become a new Christian, an NC. And they're going to move from this chair over here into this chair, and they're going to become a baby Christian. Now, that's not my term. That's the biblical term for someone who first comes to Christ. You don't know everything. Janie was watching Creed yesterday, and I got to watch Creed yesterday, too. Creed doesn't know how to go to the bathroom yet. How old is he? He's eight months old. What is wrong with he slobbers? I mean, come on. We don't expect a child to know everything that, the, uh, that an adult does, do we? Neither do we expect a new Christian to know everything. We, we don't expect them to do the same things that far from God people do. But there's, this is a different category. You give everything that you know of yourself to God's care and control. And then you let God's Holy Spirit come inside you and begin to change you from the inside out. And then as you feed as a new Christian, the bread of life. Jesus said, whoever comes to me. You'll never be hungry again. You'll never be thirsty. He's talking about spiritual stuff. But he's also talking he will provide physically for you if you trust him. And he says, as you come and you are fed, and then as you push back, get off of your lazy butt and serve. Because we can say that here. Because far from God, people are okay with me saying but. As you get off of your rear and serve, without even knowing it, you move from new Christian, baby Christian, to mature Christian. Because you never, ever move from this chair to this chair without serving and reaching out to these people over here, the far from God people. It's what we believe as a church. And so we said that we've got to build this place where the hungry can come and get fed. And we said, Jesus said he came to seek and to save people who are lost. How dare we claim to be followers of his if we don't care about lost people? If you don't care about lost people, you have a heart problem. You are not in love with Jesus Christ. I'm sorry. Because if I'm going to follow him and he said, I came to seek and to save lost people, I better be about seeking and saving lost people. Does this make sense to anyone else? So we have, thank you. So you have these hellbounders becoming new Christians and new Christians becoming mature Christians as you hand out samples of the bread of life. <laughs> Whether you realize it or not, you're giving out samples of the bread of life everywhere you go. Today, when we go to the YMCA this afternoon, we're handing out samples of bread. And how I pray we treat that place better than, than we would treat our own homes. Because when we leave there today, I want it to be spotless. I want the people who come in to clean up to go, nobody's been here. Because Christians are notoriously the worst tippers. We're the messiest people. We're the biggest jerks around. Is it any wonder that our country is no longer considered a Christian nation? Look how the Christians act. 
As a Christian, have you given up? Have you forfeited the opportunity to give someone the bread of life by the way you've acted, by the way you've talked? Because you can't live like hell all during the week and then tell someone how to avoid hell because they're probably going to tell you you can go there because they're not going to listen to you. You've got to live in such a way that you demonstrate you really believe what you say. And when your words and actions match, that's when people say, tell me about this God. Because I see he's making a difference with you. And, and let me just go back real quick. The problem in our world is not these people. Far from God, people aren't the problem with our society. The Bible says that when you're far from God, you're in darkness and dark people do dark things. Spiritually, if you're in darkness and you don't have any light and you don't know what, you, then you just do whatever feels good. You just feel your way along and that's great. Far from God, people aren't the problem. New Christians aren't the problem unless they stay here for years and years. Some of the deacons that I had talked about, 75 years old, and they were infants spiritually. They didn't qualify to be deacons. So the new Christians only become a problem when they stay new Christians and they don't ever move here to mature Christians. Here's the problem in our society. Here's the problem in our church is this chair. There's not enough of us. We're so worried about ourselves that we can't possibly give an hour a month to serve in the children's area. We can't possibly help someone who needs help. Sorry, my life has been so bad this week. It's been so rough on me this week that I just can't serve. That's baby Christian talk. And if we're going to be the church that God wants us to be, and we're going to make a difference in these next 10 years, we need a bunch of people moving out of the new baby Christian thing, moving into, because I'm telling you, when you begin to serve others, without even knowing it, you become a mature believer. And you don't do it because it's convenient. You don't do it sometimes because it's not fun all the time. Sometimes it's a blast. Sometimes I go home just filled with God's spirit and grateful that God has used me in some ways. There are times I go home and I say, God, this sucks. And God says, now you know how I feel. Because I've been trying to reach these bucket heads longer than you've been alive. I say, yeah, God. And he says, you done whining? And I say, yes, sir. And I go back and serve some more. Because as much as I love you all, and as much as I want you to like me, ultimately, I'm not going to stand before you. I'm going to stand before a holy God. And he's going to say, what did you do with what I gave you? He's going to say, did you spend it on yourself, your time, your talent, your treasure? Did you spend it all selfishly? Or did you use it to send it on ahead into the kingdom of heaven where it never Fades, where's your treasure? Because Jesus said, where your treasure is, that's where your heart's going to be. Maybe we can get a glimpse of, of part of the problem in this next clip. Watch this. So this break is break up. That's... Come on, Jerry. You know this isn't easy for me. On the surface, everything looks fine. This great guy. And he loves my kid. 
And he sure does like me a lot. And I can't live like that. It's not how I'm built. She's got a secret everything you want. We're everything you need. We're If this is empty, this doesn't matter. said it on the surface everything looks fine got this great guy who loves my kid and he sure does like me a lot I think new life is filled with a lot of great guys and great gals who like Jesus James talked about it being a fan not a follower Wes is going to preach in a couple of weeks when we're gone to Haiti and He's got some good stuff to say to you about what it means to be a mature follower of Christ. Too many people like Jesus and they casually date the bride of Christ. And you don't find that in Scripture. Um, I got some disturbing news for you today. No church can survive without a core group of people radically committed to to uh, knowing God and making Him known. A passionate pursuit of knowing God and making Him known. It requires both. Because this is not enough. Bible study knowledge is not enough. James, the half-brother of Jesus, talks about this. If you don't put works with your faith, your faith is a big fat zero. I don't care how much you know. It's what you do with what you know that determines whether you're a mature follower of Christ or not. And, and I just got to tell you, I have two jobs, and this comes straight from Scripture. I'm going to show you these real quick as a pastor. First is, this is actually wrong. It should be John 7, uh, 21, 17. It says 18. If you have the U version, it's correct in the U version. Jesus was talking to Peter, and he said, feed my sheep. So the number one mandate that I have as a pastor is I'm supposed to feed you the bread of life on a regular basis. I'm supposed to feed you a, a decent meal. And then the second thing, this comes from Ephesians chapter 4, verses 11 through 13. Paul is talking to the church in Ephesus and he said, God gave you pastors and teachers. That's the same. There's there's two gifts there. It's all rolled up in one. So that you can be led to do the work of the church. 
So my two jobs as a pastor, I'm to lead and to feed, lead and to feed. And you got to think about this. How am I supposed to lead and to feed when we got three distinct chairs over here that are supposed to be represented every week? The far from God, the, the baby Christians, the mature Christians. How am I supposed to lead and to feed them? Well, the first thing we're supposed to do, according to Paul, again, according to Scripture, is we're supposed to design our services so that if a lost person walks in here, they can understand it. We're supposed to defer to lost people with our worship experiences so that they don't walk out and go, those people are stinking nuts. That's my translation, but go read it. They will think you're crazy if you don't do things in an orderly manner. And and Paul says, I would rather speak just a few words intelligently than a thousand words speaking in tongues. He said, so that lost people can understand. So we're supposed to defer to them. And have you ever thought about what what church looks like to a non-Christian? Looks like this. Keep out. Unless you've got it all together, unless your emotional baggage comes in something just a, a little bit smaller than like a shaving kit, Because God forbid that your emotional baggage should spill out because it's going to be messy. And we don't want to know about it. We sure don't want to take the time to help you with it. But why don't you come visit my church? So we'll make you feel worse about who you are. And we'll beat you over the head with the Bible and we'll act all superior to you. Don't you want to come with me? You wonder why people look at you like you're nuts? So we said we're going to we're going to work very hard So that non-Christians can come here and they can hear about Jesus in a way they can understand. We're going to defer to them. And uh, we're going to to sit on the front row. Because to a non-Christian, they don't want to walk in here in front of you. We need to park on the back row. About every year or so I say this. We need to park on the back row, sit on the front row. So that people who come in late, because you know what it's like. You know what it's like to go to some place you hadn't been before. You're a little bit nervous. I'm a professional at this and I don't like going places I hadn't been before. Because I'm walking to the doors and I'm thinking, what kind of crazy people behind that door? I mean, it's the enemy telling you that. I do it anyway. I'm going to go to church. But I'm thinking, what are they thinking? And then if I have to go to the front row in front of everybody, I think, these people don't get it. And then if the pastor, this hadn't happened in a long time, but the pastor will sometimes go, hey, stand up. Tell us who you are. I'm leaving. That's who I am. The biggest fear people have is, is the fear of public speaking. And, and they, then we make them parade down front. The best seats in the house ought to be back there at the back. And I'm not getting on to y'all. Don't be looking around. <laughs> I'm just saying we got to think about these things. Our job is to tear down all these misconceptions about church. Because the church is the table where the hungry come to get fed. We have the food. So we've addressed this this way. We have greeters at the door. And my dream is to have people parking out there in the parking lot, directing traffic. Because you know, if we get this this much of a crowd, it's hard to find a place to park. Someday in the future, we're going to go to two worship services. We need to be able to park half on one side and half on the other and get people out and all that stuff. And then we want you to come in and be greeted. And we want somebody to tell you where the children's area is, where the food is, because that's the number one concern most people have. Where's your food? And then we're going to put wristbands on your kids so that nobody else can, can get your kid. Because, I mean, when we're reaching people who are far from God, we've had situations where 
Spouses not getting along very well. And, and our rule is whichever spouse brings the kid, they're the spouse that gets the kid. You show up here and try to get the kid. We have lots of friends who are police officers on the premises. And we will escort you out in the name of Jesus. Because we want to protect kids. We want to have something back there that's relevant for them so that parents can come in here without distraction. We play music that has a beat because this shouldn't be a funeral. Right? But the beat is not enough. We want words that talk about who God is, what He's done for us, and what He's promised to do because the lyrics are what determine whether it's Christian or not. Music is just music. The lyrics are what determine. We want you to have... I'm always telling the band, I want people clapping. I know you don't have rhythm. I watched you. It's okay. But I want it to be a celebration of who God is because I have a hope of a better future. No matter what's happening, I have hope. And I want people to have that. And we're trying to challenge people to get into small groups because there's five things, according to Scripture, that you should be involved in if you want to be a mature follower of Christ. Worship, evangelism, fellowship, discipleship, and ministry. You don't get to make up which of those you get to be involved in. God's already done that. He said, if you want to be a fully devoted follower of Christ, get involved in what I've already revealed to you is the reason you're on the planet. And then see if you don't feel fulfilled about who you are. So we want people to come. And, and it, the transfer of information is not enough. We want people to hear about the God of the universe who knows what they're going through and not only knows it, he has the answer to get them out of it. Because here's the goal. New life, the, number three, must be a place where lives are transformed. Information's not the goal. Transformation is the goal. The way we do all of this, the key is how we go about it. It's our attitude. Jesus was speaking in John chapter 13, verse 35, and he says, Your love for one another will prove to the world that you are my disciples. The proof of whether I love you is how I treat you. Not what I say. The thought doesn't count. Guys, ask your wives if the thought counts. Oh, I thought about getting you a gift. Oh, I thought about being nice to you. Oh, I thought about saying something. I thought about, I thought about, no, it doesn't count. The thought doesn't count. And see, my, uh, my favorite line in the whole movie was in that last little clip when, when his mentor, Dickie Fox, says, if this is empty, this doesn't matter. We have a bunch of people who claim to be Christ followers whose hearts are empty. Empty-hearted people are angry, they're complainers, they're self-centered, they're stingy, they're arrogant, and they're proud. But people whose hearts are full, they're generous, they're loving, they're kind, they're patient. They're steadfast in their following Jesus Christ. And, and which would you rather be around? Through the Spirit is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. And the Bible says there's no law against those things. We go to Haiti in a few weeks, and we show the love of Jesus through the Spirit, through the fruit of the Spirit, love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. There's no law anywhere on the planet against those things. And we will motivate people to follow the God that we say we follow.
You demonstrate your love for God through actions, not words. All right, one last clip, and then we're going to be done. Hello? Hello? I'm looking for my wife. Tonight, our little project, our company, had a very big night. A very, very big night. But it wasn't complete. It wasn't nearly close to being in the same vicinity as complete. Because I couldn't share it with you. cynical world, a cynical world, and we work in a business of tough competitors. I love you. You complete me. I'm not just as You had me at hello. You had me at hello. You knew I had to use that scene, right? (laughs) But not for the reason you, you may think. We do live in a cynical world. A cynical world. And they look at us like we're nuts. Because only crazy people would go every week to a place like this and sing songs to a God they can't see and be taught from an ancient book that they think is irrelevant. They just don't know it. There's no more relevant book on the planet than this this book right here. Crazy people go and do that. Crazy people go to small group Bible studies. Crazy people give up their time in worship so that they can wipe the noses of snotty little kids and other parts of their body. Only crazy people would give a portion of their income to a church. Only crazy people would go to Haiti. Or maybe, maybe, 
It's the mature ones. I'm not saying that everybody's going to Haiti is this spiritual giant. No, that's not what I'm saying. But I'm saying there's a higher authority than who's in the White House. There's a higher authority than our city manager. He's sitting back there. There's a reason I'm messing with him. We're supposed to be under the authority that God has placed over us as long as it doesn't keep us from God. But there's a higher authority than your boss. There's a higher authority than your job. And when we get serious about following Christ, we will make such an impact in this world, in our driving area. We, call it, we say within driving distance of new life. There will be people coming here from all over because the God you say you serve is real and they've seen Him in your life and they want to know more about Him. I've got news for Jerry Maguire. No, no human can complete you. I think Janie is the perfect woman for me. But I was designed to be completed by a supernatural being. And when I try to pl place Janie in there to be complete, I'm not as good a husband, I'm not as good a father, I'm not as good a pastor. But when I'm completed by God, all of those other things are affected. Ask her. She'll tell you, when I'm near to Christ, there's no man she'd rather follow, submit to. Because I treat her as she deserved. When I'm not near Christ... There's no man she'd rather be away from than me. And so we've got to decide. Are we going to follow Christ wholeheartedly or not? At some point, you've got to push back from the table and serve. Because you do not want to be sitting in the far from God chair when Christ returns. You do not want to be sitting in the new baby Christian chair when Christ returns. You want to be in that third chair. You want to be pedal to the metal following Christ with all of your heart. And my goal, as long as God allows me, is to reach out to people in all three of these chairs and keep encouraging them to move from one to the other. Because the Bible says that God doesn't want any to perish, but for all to come to repentance. He's not slow about His return. He's waiting for far from God people to come into the kingdom. And when the last far from God person comes into the kingdom, then Christ is going to return. I don't know when that is. And so I'm going to speak to these people. Because that's what my leader did. And I'm going to challenge them to accept Christ and move over here into baby Christian. And then I'm going to challenge them to move into mature Christian. And then I'm going to challenge the mature Christians to go out and offer samples of bread to far from God people. Because I believe that's what Jesus designed the church to be. And my question to you is, who's coming with me? That's all I got. Let's pray together. Father, what we're doing matters. And there's some people here today that are in the far from God category. Been playing games. Been running from you. Been making excuses. And I believe you brought them here today so that they could step into the kingdom of God. 
As I was saying that, if you felt God touch your heart and you want to step into the kingdom of God today, here's how you do it. You pray a simple prayer and you can pray it silently after me. God, I know I'm a sinner. I believe you sent Jesus to die on the cross in my place. As best I know how, I give you my life. And I ask you to change me from now on. Some of you that came in here today and you assumed you were in the mature Christian chair. Is it possible that you're not? Is it possible that maybe you were at one time, but maybe you've turned your back on God and you've drifted? You never drift towards God. When you are drifting, you always drift away. And it, it takes an intentional choice to come back. So 1 John 1, 9 says, If we confess our sin, He is faithful and just to forgive us our sin and cleanse us from all unrighteousness. So you need to say, God, I have strayed from you. Please forgive me. And please restore me. If you're in the mature Christian chair, you have to be handing out samples of the bread of life to people who are far from God. And so I just want you to pray. God, would you reveal someone in my world who needs the sample of the bread of life? Because I'm telling you, if you'll pray that prayer and you'll begin walking down the path, wherever you go to work, wherever you go to school, if you'll pray that prayer, God will show you somebody. It won't be a Middle Eastern man running down the street climbing a sycamore tree, but it'll be something that happens and God will say, that's the one. Because he's looking for people who are willing to share the samples of the bread of life. So you pray, God, show me who in my world needs a sample. Father, we thank you for the first 10 years. And we're not done. Show us each step of the way. And if you'll show us clearly, God, we will follow you wholeheartedly. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen. As you take your registration cards... Fill those out. And, and I'd really like for you to identify which chair you're in. If you're in a far from God chair and you're here today, yes, we're excited you're here. Go back and bring all of your hellbound friends. Cocaine, snorting, skirt chasing, beard drinking, hellbound people, we want you here. Yes, it is right. I was just thinking. I know, I know. I was just thinking you, you aren't in that category now, but the Bible says we were all in that category at one time. So we want, we want you here. And you can bring your questions. Nothing I love more than sit around talking to people answering questions. If I don't know the answer, I'll find it. Um, so put that down on the back of your card. New Christian, if, if you're pretty, if you feel like you don't know a whole lot about Christianity, then you put NC, and I'll know what that means. If you are in the MC category, if you feel like you are, you're growing in your relationship with Christ, I want you to write down MC, but then I want you to write down who it is in your world, just some initials, I don't need to know the name unless you want me praying for them by name. The initials of who it is you know need samples of the bread of life. All right, we're about to leave here. Uh, there is a parents' meeting for uh, youth camp, um, Orange Beach, right after church. You got plenty of time because lunch. What?
Oh, I'm sorry. After church on Wednesday, not today. Um, one hour until we serve the food over there. Be sure and get your wristband. Sign up for kickball as a family. We want to see families out there doing that. Sign up for uh, softball. Everything else, we're just going to kind of let you know when we're going to do the toe sack race and all that other stuff. So get out of here. <laughs>